Well, as always, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship service together, for our Pam Pash, who was our liturgist this morning, for our Wesley Choir and Faith um, and our praise team, um, who always put our music together so beautifully, and for Gary Brubaker, who, um, who does all of our music direction and putting things together. Thank you. We're here in this series of Lent, um, talking about what it means to be blessed. How do we understand where God is with us? Blessed are the imperfect, the curious, blessed are those who suffer, blessed are those who feel alone, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the rejected, blessed are those who see it clearly, and blessed are those who hope still. Today, blessed are those who suffer. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I was um, preparing for the sermon and writing the sermon, um, in my sermon preparation, I um, went down to the basement and found my old Barbies to show my nieces. And uh, oh, then I found some pictures that I hadn't put in frames. Um, I've been meaning to do that since I was in college. So I did that. Um, I found, oh, I found these autographed pictures that I had forgotten about and then I needed to show those to a whole bunch of people. Um, I had to pick out my Easter dress. I did, you know, all of the things as a part of the process, right? This is a hard question sometimes of what does it mean, blessed are those who suffer? And it's a question that all of us ask. Um, I was recently overheard a conversation between a couple of people who were just seemingly like catching up on their lives over the last couple of years or something. Um, And the one said, I've had COVID four times. And the other one said, I was in the hospital for COVID twice. And then um, somebody said, then the the other one said, "Um, I've had so many funerals I've gone to in the past couple of years. And then the other one said, both of my parents died within a month of each other. And then um, the other one said, my husband and I have been through some struggles. And um, the other one said, my husband and I almost got separated. And then the other one said, you know, I lost my job and found it hard to find a new one. And the other one said, I work for the most toxic boss and it has taken a toll on my mental health. And it was this sort of like, worst thing Olympics, each one seeming to try to one-up the other on who had it worse or who had it harder. And those were all terrible things. And towards the end of their conversation, they both agreed, you know, it could be worse, right? And I was like, are you kidding me? It could be worse? What could be worse than all of the things that you've just said? Oh, but here's the truth of life. We will all struggle. We will all find ways that we suffer. Bad things will happen. Yay. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. It's not a surprise to anyone because you have been through it yourself. You've seen others go through it as well. And you've seen some who have gotten to the other side and some who haven't. It's something that happens in life. And it's one of the most common questions of life and of faith. Why do bad things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to me? 
Why do bad things happen to people who are faithful? Why do bad things happen at all? And I'm not sure there's a great answer for this question. I don't know. Which is what everyone wants to hear, right? Why do bad things happen? I don't know. Why do bad things happen? Because they do. Real satisfying there, right? Why do bad things happen? God knows. And there is a whole lot of satisfaction and dissatisfaction in those answers. And they both answer our question and don't answer that question. And the truth is we can wrestle with that question all we want and maybe there will be answers that you find that will be satisfying or maybe even that you feel are complete. Maybe you won't. But even if you have an answer to the question, it won't make the pain or the struggle any less. You'll still feel pain. You'll grieve. You'll mourn. You'll still hurt because we're human. Several years ago, um, there was a neighbor of our church and um, uh, I got a call from them um, asking, you know, in that panicked way, come quick. And so when I went, um, I arrived to find that the daughter of the couple um, had just found out that her husband had died by suicide. She was a young woman um, in her 20s, and um, her husband left behind her and their young son, about two years old. And so um, they asked me to come and to be there. And there was so much activity that was happening. There were people in and out and talking and asking questions, some asking questions about what happened, um, you know, all of the details that needed to be known, some asking questions about, you know, what do we do now? Um, And then there were all the questions of why did this happen? And um, finally, after a while, um, as I was sitting there next to the young woman, And all of this activity was happening and flurry of questions that really didn't have answers. The mother of this young woman looked at me and said, Pastor Melissa, say something to make this better. And I thought, oh, Jesus, help me. And I said, the truth is, I'm, I'm sorry, but I can't. This is hard and this is painful. And nothing that any of us can say or do will make it better. Might make it bearable, but it might not make it better. And so in frustration, she kind of just left the room And with her went all of this flurry of activity and flurry of conversation. And it was just me and this young widow. Um, And so in that quiet moment, I looked at her and I said, tell me about your husband. And she shared with me that this had been his fifth attempt at suicide. 
that he had been abused as a child in ways that, in every way that you can imagine, and in every way that you don't want to imagine. And he struggled with those wounds in ways that he clearly didn't even fully understand. And more recently, he had been growing more and more fearful that he would behave in the ways that the adults treated him to his child. And he was afraid he would hurt his young son in the same ways that he had been treated as a child. And everything just kept feeling more and more hopeless. And I listened to her stories and I listened to her memories. There were moments of laughter. There were moments of tears. I held her hand and we cried and we prayed. I helped her arrange the funeral service for her husband um, with a local Catholic church because he grew up in the Catholic church and that was what he wanted. And so I helped to arrange the funeral service with a local Catholic church who would perform the burial rites for him. What I couldn't do was give any answers. I could witness to her pain and I could hear her stories, but I couldn't take that pain away. But I could sit with her in it. I could love her in the middle of it. but I couldn't take it away, no matter how hard I wanted to. A couple of years later, she came to an Easter service. And after the service, she stuck around and um, she said to me, thank you. Thank you for not trying to fix anything. There were enough people around me who were trying and failing. She said, thank you for just sitting with me. Thank you for letting me say and do what I needed to do in those moments. Thank you for loving me. Blessed are those who suffer. Paul, in this passage to the Romans, says that we should boast in our suffering. Not in this one-up worst Olympics. But probably it's better translated to say we should have confidence in our suffering. But how does that happen? I think it happens in the totality of Jesus' story. We start with the beginning. Jesus' story starts with his birth, God putting on flesh. It's what we call in theological terms the incarnation, God being among us, understanding what it means to be human. Jesus lived, he breathed, he lost people he loved. Jesus probably stubbed his toes and maybe worse. Jesus wept. Jesus was rejected by his hometown. They wanted to throw him off of a cliff. Now, beyond the physical pain of what that might feel like if it had come to fruition, can you imagine the betrayal and the rejection? These people that you have known and have known you want nothing to do with your ministry. And Jesus was betrayed. 
Jesus suffered and died on the cross. And even on the cross, Jesus asked, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do bad things happen even to Jesus? Blessed are those who suffer. All of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection is grounded in love. Love put on flesh. Love suffered and died. Love was born anew. Love always wins. Love also sits with us in the pain and the struggle. Love holds our hands in the waiting rooms. Love brings us casseroles after funerals. Love sits with us when we cry. Love knits prayer shawls. Love sings with us. Love prays with us. Love grounds us and reminds us that we don't have to go through life alone. We don't suffer alone. Love transforms us to give us the hope of something else. Love helps us love others. Blessed are those who suffer. We don't suffer alone because we belong to each other. And God is with us in the middle of our pain and our struggle and never abandons us. Paul says, hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Blessed are those who suffer because we don't suffer alone. We are held by love, by one another, by the, by the God who created us, who loves us, who is with us, and who blesses us. Blessed are those who suffer because we don't suffer alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.